Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this very busy Wednesday night, the 30th of June, the last day of the first six months, which means half the year is done, of 2021. And the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this last day of the sixth month, so that half the year is done, is brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York, on Long Island. And they've got everything you need to make your yard look great. And they also have anything you need with regards to supplies in case we ever get a tropical storm or a hurricane this season. And that includes generators, safety cans for gasoline and uh, pumps and and much more. 631-756-1125 for the best prices in town. OmniTrueValue.com. And don't wait for a storm to check your supplies because that's when you won't be able to find them uh, at the stores. And also brought to you by Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini. One day closer to Christmas, your complete holiday lighting specialist meeting all your decorating needs, whether you want your home decorated or maybe you want to do this as a business or grow your current business. Uh, they're at 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, New York, also on Long Island. The phone number there is 631-957-5106. And the website is liholidaylighting.com. Joe Rayo on the left. I'm Joe Chaffee. And welcome to everybody tonight on the chat board. Getting one day closer to the 4th of July holiday weekend. But uh, first things first, uh, we got boom booms uh, all over the place. Yes, um, and in fact, up here where we are, we're under a severe thunderstorm watch until 10 o'clock tonight. Uh, however, that doesn't mean that places that are not necessarily in the watch are going to escape, Joe. I think we'll, uh, throughout the tri-state area, we're going to be seeing many places uh, receive, you know, either a heavy downpour or maybe some gusty winds or maybe some dramatic flashes of lightning because it was a very hot and steamy day out there today and now the stage is set for uh, a bevy of uh, showery and thundery weather to move on through during the next few hours and uh, it looks like we're in line for some not as hot weather tomorrow and on friday as well still have the humidity but from what i can see it looks like we're going to uh, turn the corner it looks like finally the gfs and the european are on the same page and are both suggesting a flow out of the north, upper-level flow out of the north for Sunday, for 4th of July Sunday, and that seems to indicate a noticeable decline in the humidity levels and dew points as well. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised. We were you know, watching these models, and particularly the GFS, with a lot of skepticism with that wrapped-up cutoff low near Chicago, which if it had verified would have been a disaster for the holiday weekend, but thankfully... Uh, everything is doing what it usually does, which is not as deep, a little further to the east, trough swings around. But we've got some work to do in the meantime. I brought the radar radar up, Joe. There's a bunch of severe thunderstorm warnings up just to your north. Looks like It looks like the, the, the southern edge of the storms that are riding uh, across upstate New York are just to ride along Route 84, or just north of Route 84. That's where all the thunderstorms yeah. seem to be, the severe thunderstorms anyway. There's also another line now moving through uh, south-central Pennsylvania, and there's a severe thunderstorm warning that briefly popped up near Harrisburg, and that line is moving eastward. 
I got to wonder, though, Joe, after 8 or 9 o'clock, I, I'm thinking that you're going to start to see this line weaken. So for areas south of Route 84, I just wonder how much is going to be left uh, out of this uh, when we go into the uh, – uh, when we get, get past sunset. Well, that's uh, – you know, the uh, severe thunderstorm watch for me is uh, up until 10 o'clock. But even before that watch was issued, I posted on my Facebook page, Joe, based on a consensus of the uh, 3- and 12-kilometer NAM models, the RPM model, and also the HRRR, I said that once we got to 10 o'clock, after that, everything was going to wind down very quickly, and it looks like that's indeed going to be the story. So up until about 10 o'clock, which is another uh, two and a half hours from now or thereabouts, most areas will have their best shot at getting some uh, significant weather in the form of uh, showers, thunderstorms, maybe even a touch of hail. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, one or two of these cells carried with them pea to dime-sized hail with, uh, with their uh, passage. But after 10 o'clock, I think you're right. I think we're going to see everything kind of wind down very quickly, and it should be all but over by the time we get to midnight tonight. So the action is coming our way over the next two or three hours. Then after that, everything quiets down real fast. The... Um... On the table was set today, another uh, brutally h- a hot day. We had four stations in and around New York City that got to the 100-degree mark. Uh, New York City Central Park was not among them. I believe they got to 98, which was the highest uh, high since uh, 2013, believe it or not. Right. Uh, 100 right. at LaGuardia, 100 at Caldwell, 100 at Middletown, 102 at Newark. And to the south, temperatures everywhere pretty much got mid to upper 90s. A little bit further south, uh, down into Maryland and northeastern Virginia, it was low to mid 90s. And uh, up further to the north, as we look up into the Hudson Valley and into Connecticut, uh, temperatures here also reaching uh, middle and even a few upper 90s. Got to 99 at uh, Poughkeepsie, Joe, for a high today. Kingston, 97. 95 for New Paltz uh, in Connecticut. Hartford, 99 today. Just really brutally hot. And those 90s even carried up uh, further north uh, into upstate New York. Albany got to 90. It was in the low and middle 90s uh, through uh, much of uh, southern Vermont and uh, southern New Hampshire. Uh, Just a really, really hot day. And and, and this is this three-day stretch of 90-plus weather. Uh, it comes. To, I, I pretty much think it comes to an end today. I'll probably be in the 80s tomorrow. We also have another day of severe weather risk to deal with uh, for tomorrow. So that's something uh, to consider. I'm going to go back to the radar here. Let me just get rid of this page, uh, this one particular page with the hazards. And uh, you uh, can see uh, a couple of storms now uh, hitting some mornings uh, just the east of Baltimore and southeast of Washington, D.C. Uh, busy there. Uh, to the south, bit of a break in uh, central and southern Virginia until you get down to South Georgia and northern Florida, and in fact, even into central Florida where we're seeing uh, showers. It's been very wet in Florida for much of the last week or more, and that's going to continue. Uh, also, uh, we are seeing uh, the uh, the boundary that was lined up from New Mexico to the Great Lakes. If you look at the way the showers are lined up on the radar, they're now more uh, east-northeast. So we're running them from New Mexico, Oklahoma, Missouri, 
across the Ohio Valley and then uh, through uh, the uh, the northeastern part of the U.S. So you're starting to see the uh, westerlies, the upper air westerlies, the atmosphere beginning to press southward, and that's kind of bending this frontal boundary and pushing it a little bit further to the south. So the changes that are being forecast are definitely underway. Also, by the way, it looks like a lot of shower activity today in Nevada, Utah, uh, eastern Oregon, uh, back up into uh, Wyoming. So a little bit of a break in those drought areas uh, getting uh, some shower activity. It's been so hot out there that when the first raindrop hit the ground or hit the pavement, it, it probably sounded like a rifle shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would imagine it did. We, uh, By the way, we also have a potential tropical cyclone uh, out in the uh, tropical Atlantic, pretty far out there for this time of year. And we're going to take a look at it uh, in, in, in just a bit. Uh, but uh, we're gonna let's run through what's going on tonight, and then we can uh, we can move along and uh, see where we're going with all of this. And one of the things I said yesterday was the fact that when you look at the satellite and you look at the loop and the character of 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 the uh, weather that's across the United States, it really did look like more like an August type map than it did uh, a June type uh, satellite view. A lot of tropical moisture around in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, and down into the Caribbean and out to the Bahamas. I don't think nothing's going to develop out of that. But the point is that, you know, we have a lot of this tropical moisture, moisture just pretty much saturating the eastern part of the United States. Some of it is coming from the Pacific. We mentioned yesterday we had the unusual uh, storm going up into uh, the Gulf of California. Usually that doesn't happen until much later in the hurricane season. Uh, to have one that far north this early is now just the tropical depression and Enrique. Just the fact that it made it that far northwest, close to the coast, is indicative of, I guess, what how out of whack the pattern is at the moment. But we're going to start to see it at least normalize. And you can also pick out right along the northern lakes, Joe, there's that, that upper trough that's coming down that's going to drive all this. is starting to drop southeastward, and you can see the clouds there up in the northern lakes extending uh, to uh, just south of James Bay. That's the, that's the, the, uh, the, the, me the mechanism that's going to uh, clean, clean things up in a couple of days. It can't, come, it can't come fast enough. It has been absolutely atrocious. Um, each morning I step outside to get the newspaper, and I, I, I boogie very quickly down the driveway to get the newspaper so I can boogie back into my air-conditioned uh, confines because it is it, it if it's that bad that early and i've been outside in mid-afternoon it is just absolutely hellacious it, it, we really need something to as you say joe uh clean house so to speak get those dew points to drop make for a more comfortable atmosphere uh archie bunker would have loved this weather he would have been saying stifle 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 <laughs> every five yes. seconds because it's been stifling uh, with the uh, heat and humidity, I, it's it's been it's written really bad. That it has, uh, it has been. Uh, I'll come back to this in a moment. I want to just bring up uh, weather.gov uh, to uh, uh, take a look at what's happening at the moment with regards to watches and warnings. You can see the severe thunderstorm watches that are still up throughout south, southern and southeastern New England, uh, extending back uh, through uh, the middle and lower Hudson Valley. Uh, touching northern New Jersey, uh, much of uh, all of Pennsylvania now, 
uh, under a severe thunderstorm watch, continues under a severe thunderstorm watch, except for the north, cent- north, central, and northwest corners, southeast Ohio. We've got flash flood watches up for northeastern Virginia and into Maryland, also in West Virginia, eastern Kentucky, eastern Tennessee, back through uh, much of the state of Missouri, southeastern Kansas, central Oklahoma, and also flash flood watches down uh, in New Mexico and southwest Texas. Still dealing with excessive heat in the northwest, but it's away from the coastal big cities. It's move, it's, it's, it's inland and, and east, so uh, the crux of it is more in eastern Washington, western and eastern Montana, and Idaho. And the area has kind of diminished a little bit, but still pretty hot up there. And we're going to start to see some changes there as well as the pattern does its thing and and just shifts around, which all weather patterns break down. Nothing lasts forever in weather. So whatever you get into a pattern, uh, it runs its course and then something comes along to change it, thankfully. Uh, otherwise, uh, you'd be in real trouble. Well, you know, we, we're going to get a break for the 4th of July and also the 5th of July, which I believe is the date when... Uh, the uh, government uh, officially um, notes the holiday, uh, a Monday holiday. We'll, we'll get a break here in the Northeast from all of the heat and humidity, but really out West, they're not going to see much of a break at all. It's going to be the same story with uh, triple-digit temperatures in many locations in eastern sections of Washington State and Oregon and all the way down through uh, Idaho and into, uh, into Arizona, Southern California, uh, those extreme temperatures are going to persist, it looks like, right on into the upcoming holiday weekends. So stay cool if you're out there in the West. Wait, I uh, just noticed, let's see, this was issued, uh, they issued it earlier. They did actually add a severe thunderstorm watch for South Central Pennsylvania and Western Maryland, uh, which is why I was a little surprised when I saw that all of Pennsylvania was under that salmon color for a severe thunderstorm watch. Uh, I, I didn't notice that they had put that up there earlier. So for South Central Pennsylvania down into Western Maryland, we're still under a watch. And that kind of explains that second line that I mentioned here that uh, triggered off a, a warning over in Harrisburg. And you see that line snakes down uh, in, into Western Maryland and Northern, Northern Virginia. A few warnings there popping up uh, on the radar. The uh, Storm Prediction Center... Uh, is uh, also uh, indicating for tomorrow uh, an area of risk, and they've uh, elevated uh, a certain area to slight risk, uh, uh, southern New Jersey, uh, down through the Delmarva Peninsula and uh, easternmost Virginia under a slight risk. The marginal risk pretty much remains the same as it has been. Uh, I think, Joe, tomorrow, one of the things to look for with with this, somebody's going to get clobbered with some big rain from these uh, thunderstorms tomorrow as that is the front stalls out and you get a wave to develop on a little low is going to develop on it uh, someone's going to get this there's they're going to i think they're going to be some thunderstorms that are going to produce some flash flooding uh, in in this zone for tomorrow well there's a good part of new jersey that's underneath a flood uh, watch i believe for the next uh, day or so uh, all the way into <clears throat> excuse me all the way into early friday so you may very well be right, Joe, that there will be some uh, rather large-scale uh, precipitation amounts before this is all over, said and done. And we're talking about rainfall totals quite possibly on the order of three or four or more inches. And that's, that's, that's 
if you get that much, it's almost a full month's complement of, uh, of rainfall in just a matter of a day or so. just want to take a look and see with WPC uh, on their excessive rainfall. They actually do have for tomorrow. I'm pulling up the map now, so we'll see what they did with this. Uh, they have a slight risk. Yeah, they've got a slight risk tomorrow of uh, excessive rainfall and flash flooding uh, from uh, eastern Tennessee, eastern Kentucky, east-northeast through southern Pennsylvania, all of New Jersey to Long Island, New York City, and the lower Hudson Valley down to Delaware and Maryland. And this makes sense considering that this, you know, where the wave is going to form and, and, and the fact that the frontal boundary is literally going to be sitting pretty much right on top of the coast. Uh, this will there'll be I think there's there'll be some solid boomers and, and some big rains with that and we're probably going to see that linger into Friday for at least a little while and uh, here uh, SP, uh, WPC brings the marginal risk further south down from Virginia to Georgia uh, back to Mississippi and also in West Texas and into New Mexico, and then they don't go beyond their day three, but there won't be much to worry about after day three because we are going to see uh, some genuine improvement. They are also forecasting a narrow band of two to three inch plus rains from southern New Jersey to about Long Island on the on their seven-day forecast map, and much of this is, of course, front and loaded with what's going on uh, for uh, tomorrow and Friday, and I don't think we're going to get too much down in the coastal plain, if anything at all, from tonight. But uh, you can see also uh, rains along the Gulf Coast, uh, down through Louisiana, uh, in western Florida, uh, more so than eastern Florida over the next seven days. Now, longer term, if we do wind up seeing a tropical system develop, uh, when we get to the weekend, we might start to see a reflection of that in WPC's forecast. But it's way too early in the game uh, to uh, to have that show up uh, on the uh, on the maps. So I, I got the uh, the NAM from earlier. This is the last run of the NAM, and one of the things I've noticed, Joe, is that everything's kind of every run seems to be pushing everything a little bit further to the east and a little bit faster, which for the Fourth of July holiday weekend is um, very good news. And now you can watch the development for tomorrow. Again, that frontal boundary is right right about here. And right about there, somewhere over the Delmarva Peninsula, you're probably going to see a little wave develop. This is at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And then suddenly uh, you see these showers and storms kind of blossom out there tomorrow evening uh, across the area of, of risk. North and west, you go north and west by not that far, though, and the rain's going to cut off. So it's it, it'll be pretty much right along the immediate coastal plain and extending uh, further south into western North Carolina, uh, eastern Tennessee, and over to me. I may see a few thunderstorms here tomorrow night. That wave goes by. There's an, another wave on Friday into Friday night. But, Joe, this one now on the on the NAM at least, I didn't look at the new GFS, but on the NAM at least, is, is a little bit further to the east. And, yeah, I mean, other than the fact that we have the upper trough over the weekend for Saturday and into the first part of Sunday that might trigger off a couple of scattered showers uh, Saturday, late Saturday afternoon and evening uh, and maybe a, a shower inland, uh, well inland on Sunday. Uh, we're going to, we're the weekend should, the, the holiday weekend on the whole is actually going to turn out to be okay, particularly Sunday and Monday. 
Yeah, and I think that uh, wave that you've uh, alluded to for uh, tomorrow near the Delmarva region, you know, the last couple of days I've been, you know, talking about uh, setups where we've seen in the past, you know, one particular spot ends up with something like six or eight or even ten inches of rain. Right. Uh, one of those one of those weird situations. Well, I got to tell you something. If if they get if, if we do have a developing wave on a on an already moisture laden front interacting with all of this very humid, juicy air, that could we could very well be uh, talking about or seeing. Uh, a, a significant uh, half foot or more of rain in that uh, in that vicinity tomorrow and tomorrow night. Of course, we won't be talking about that because we're going to be taking off after tonight and uh, will not be around until the beginning of next week. But uh, it, it may be something to you know be a, be, be uh, you know be advised that that may very well happen if any of you are planning a trip down to let's say uh, Salisbury, Maryland, or. Yeah. Uh, Anywhere on the Delmarva Peninsula, because that that would be ground zero, I think, for the potential for some really excessive, if not downright uh, heavy duty rains again tomorrow, tomorrow night. What is it? Ellicott City in Maryland. Is that the one? Yeah, they would. They 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 got slammed with what? 10 inches of rain or 12 inches of. A couple of years ago, last uh, I, year, I, I year think before? I think it's happened twice in the last 10 years where they've gotten basically wiped out from heavy rains. And a lot has to do with the yeah. fact that they, the way they, the infrastructure was re, was designed that they it they, it it um, kind of screwed up the drainage of the natural drainage of the water in that area. So uh, I'm not you know saying is it going to be a repeat performance, but just that's just an example. By the way, we got double super chat hits tonight from the chairman <coughs> Scott Briller. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Scott, and also from David Carter uh, hitting super chat tonight. Uh, Thank you so much. By the way, look at the dew points here. By Friday evening, the 50s dew points, Joe, to northern New Jersey and almost to Long Island, and then uh, extending down into western Virginia. Uh, I'm down to a 51 dew point by Saturday morning, a 52 dew point in northern New Jersey, 40 dew points in upstate New York and in New England. And this is off the NAM. And then by Sunday morning, well, we're only go to uh, this only goes to 2 a.m. Sunday, but very dry air is being drawn southward down the eastern seaboard, uh, thanks to this um, uh, this trough that is moving along and has some amplitude. So that northerly flow goes all the way down the coast, almost to northern Florida again. I kind of switched over to the GFS uh, so we can carry us through Sunday if this. Uh, if the maps would load, so far I only have the 78 and 84 hour. Load, please. Don't be, don't be sour. It's the 84, 84 hour. <laughs> exactly. So look, by Sunday morning, we've got dew points in the 50s, just about everywhere in the eastern U.S. down to, uh, down to Georgia. And uh, Sunday afternoon, I mean, it just looks like a very pleasant, from the standpoint of humidity, it's going to be really nice. It's going to be such a nice change uh, beginning Friday night and carrying us right through Sunday. The dew points start to come up a little bit on Monday. They're back up to about 60 or so Monday morning and low 60s after that. Uh, that that's Technically, that is going to be a little more humid, but the uh, more oppressive dew points will probably have to wait till Tuesday 
when we start to see them get up to between 65 and 70. But the bottom line is that we are going to get, a, you're, you're going to get a really nice humidity break and a nice temperature break too. Temperatures are not going to get out. I, I don't think temperatures are going to be getting out of the 70s Friday uh, and Saturday and maybe even Sunday. Might have to wait till Monday before we get back into the 80s. Hey, look, I mean, uh, this afternoon we had at uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon at Central Park, it was 94 dew point 70, and the heat index was 100. And if you could, and, and, and if we drop the dew, the dew points by 10 to 60, I mean, as you just pointed out, Joe, that's that's you know normally considered to be the beginnings of muggy weather, and, and we'll be climbing back up there again, as you said, early next week. But even 60, that's going to feel so delightful compared to what we've been dealing with these past few days. I mean, it's just absolutely re- been ridiculous. And I can hardly wait for those dew points in the 50s. We were just we were basking just a week ago in dew points in the 40s. Look, look where we are a week later. Ah. <laughs> well, this is going to be our third intrusion of dew points in, of uh, of 50 or less in the last uh, in the last three weeks. You you sometimes go. And that is from, amazing. You sometimes go from June to September, and uh, you know maybe you get you maybe you get a, a break for a day or so where the dew points drop into the 50s, but uh, to see, uh, you know, three, three big intrusions of dry air uh, this time of year like this is, uh, let's call it a nice gift because it just doesn't happen too often. Uh, I pulled up the... It, it is. Go ahead, we've I'm been sorry. on both sides of the spectrum this month. We've been on both sides of the spectrum. We've had, we've had the worst of it, uh, case in point, an example today or the last few days, and we've had the best of it with those dew points in the 50s and 40s. So, you know, I don't know, you, you, one, one can't really complain if, if you you've, you've factor in the fact that we've had those, those intrusions, as you mentioned, of uh, well below normal dew point temperatures. Uh, it, it makes you, you know, it allows you to at least say, okay, we could put up with this. If we know that we're going to be back in the 50s in terms of dew points by Friday and Saturday, we could put up with this for for a little while longer. Um, it's those it's those summers, and you and I both can remember, and you just alluded to those summers where, you know, you're stuck in a hazy, hot, sticky, humid weather pattern for six, seven, eight, nine days, and you you look at all the maps and you say to yourself, "Where's the relief?" And you don't see anything coming. Yeah. At least we can see that something is indeed coming our way to break this. In, in a matter of um, only a couple of days, thank God. And, and this is the uh, the upper air this morning with the uh, the big ridge off the east coast, the really strong ridge up in uh, southwestern Canada, uh, that where the hot, really hot weather continues there. And then, of course, the trough that separates the two. Again, the orientation is beginning to change because uh, we're starting to get that northern part of the jet stream uh, coming down and. Uh, starting to flatten out that ridge in the eastern part of the United States. This is the European, and, and this is your shortwave trough for tomorrow, which, you know, it does sharpen up uh, rather nicely uh, by Thursday morning, and then uh, it dives with an upper low into western New York. That's why I'm thinking, Joe, we're going to wind up seeing, you know, you got the dynamics here aloft are pretty, uh, rather impressive uh, to drive a heavy, rain, you know, heavy rainfall from thunderstorms from late Thursday, Thursday night into Friday morning. The point for the weekend, though, is that the trough is right on the coast Saturday morning. There's your northerly flow. 
uh, in the upper atmosphere. So you've got that dry air from Canada being pulled all the way down into the southeastern part of the United States. More importantly is that by Sunday morning, the trough is offshore and that uh, that makes things relatively uncomplicated for Sunday and Monday. Uh, we should dry out nicely. The, the upper low pulls away to the northeast by Monday morning. We're still kind of under the influence of it. So that will make Monday a pretty decent day. And then we'll start to see those heights come up a little bit uh, for Tuesday into Wednesday. Another strong, rather strong shortwave coming down out of eastern Canada on Wednesday. Maybe that uh, means we get a front uh, to come on through here in the middle of the week with uh, some uh, some thunderstorms uh, with that. I know a few people have already been mentioning about the possibility that that could be a severe weather event. Let's get through the next couple of days first before we worry about that. But we st What's interesting to me, Joe, over this over this whole ten day period on the European, is that every you mentioned how you look at some of these situations in the past where you look you're looking for something to, some sign of a change somewhere and nothing is changing, nothing is moving. Here we have the opposite, where you do have weather systems just kind of moving along in the flow, which which means that okay, it can it, it can it get hot for a couple of days? Sure, could it get hot for three days like we just had? Yeah, it sure can. But there seems to want to always be a cold front coming by, and we're still having this tendency for the uh, the upper air winds in the eastern part of the United States to kind of drop down. Uh, into the northeast and mid-Atlantic states to bring in some general, general general relief. So that trend to me looks like it wants to continue. It does. And um, yeah, as long as you have a progressive pattern, then you don't stay in a, a long term. And when I'm talking about long term, folks, I'm talking about in excess of, let's say, five or six days. And uh, believe me, I, I, I remember back in the 70s, uh, a few summers where it was like seven, eight, nine days before you finally had any kind of a change, any kind of a break. At least here, as Joe mentioned, you can see with the progression that uh, whatever pattern, and we're into day four now of this heat wave, and this is going to be it because tomorrow the, uh, the extremely hot temperatures are going to be gone by Friday with the uh, upper flow uh, beginning to come more out of a west-northwest direction. The dew point temperatures are going to take a noticeable drop. But I mean, I'm talking about there have been times when you, you look on the uh, upper air charts, Joe, the 500, and you see we're like under a 588, you know, uh, uh, height line. And you, you look around and you look, look up into central Canada and it's still like, like 582. You say, where is it? Where are those? Where's that nice crowding of height lines? Where's that short wave? Where's that uh, push toward drier and less humid weather? And it, it just ain't there. But at least here. Uh, again, with the progression of things, uh, if it's not there now, it will be in a few days. Uh, you know, it's 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 not one of those prolonged, stagnant, steamy type of uh, uh, weather patterns that we've seen. And again, the month of June, we've been on both sides of the spectrum. We've had extreme heat, extreme op uh, oppressive humidity, but we've also had incredibly dry and incredibly uh, uh, low humidity and uh, and, and cooler temperatures, even for you, all the way down. That's the most amazing thing is that the folks from the southeastern states, they, they really must be scratching their heads and saying, you know, dang it, it, it doesn't get like this most of the time in June or July. <laughs> nice. It's doing that right now. Yeah, because everybody down here <laughs> talks like they've been on the Andy Griffith show. Is that what Andy you're trying Griffith to say? Show. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. I'm, I'm trying to be like, 
I've been watching too much Andy Griffith and Matlock these last yeah, few apparently, days. Apparently, apparently, yes. <laughs> All right, let's let's look at potential tropical cyclone five. Andy, yes. Andy. Get us on the table, come home. That's right. Potential tropical <laughs> cyclone five, which is at nine point six north and forty four point six west. It's highly unusual uh, to have something that far out in the tropical Atlantic this early. Uh, but you do have a situation here where conditions are actually favorable for development. Uh, light winds in the upper atmosphere, not a whole lot of dry air around. So it seems you can't argue with reality. I, you could look at Climo and say, well, this isn't supposed to be happening. Well, it is. So we kind of have to move on from there. Tropical storm watches are up for uh, parts of the uh, Leeward Islands and the, uh, also for Barbados. And uh, you see them in yellow there on the map. Uh, the Hurricane Center following a track that actually is fairly similar to what the GFS is doing, uh, making this a tropical storm either overnight or first thing tomorrow morning, and then keeping it as a tropical storm. Now, there are going to be two issues lying ahead. One is the Eastern Caribbean, which normally is a place where you have strong upper air westerly winds and producing wind shear. So that's one uh, thing that's going to the, the system may have to deal with. And if this forecast track is correct, uh, that means it's going to be interacting with uh, the islands. Uh, if you take this forecast literally, it would pass well south of Puerto Rico, but comes pretty close to the Dominican Republic and Haiti, which is very mountainous terrain. And also western, uh, eastern and western Cuba, eastern Cuba being mountainous, western Cuba, Cuba not so much. But uh, it's it's. Uh, I was kind of impressed by the satellite, Joe. I, I I it looked very well organized to me. If you take a look at the loop here, uh, that's 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 impressive for the end of June to have a uh, what looks like almost a tropical storm uh, out in the tropical Atlantic at, at about nine degrees north. And and that goes to by the way that goes back to what I said earlier about how. Everything more, looks more like what you see in August than what you see in June. You know, the thing is, Joe, it's, it's not even a, it's not even officially a tropical depression. It's, it's a potential tropical cyclone. And they've already started making projections as to where this is going to go. I don't remember ever seeing something like that. I mean, usually they wait until uh, it, it, it gets enough tropical characteristics for it to be called a depression or jumps to a tropical storm. This is this is not yet a tropical cyclone, and yet they're already um, posting well they, uh, discussions and well they they this is this is not the first time we've seen them use the potential tropical cyclone. That was something. Remember, if they started last, I think they started that last year uh, or two years yeah. ago with the, the potential tropical cyclone. Uh, this thing's probably going to become a tropical storm. I mean, it really does look impressive enough on the satellite. I think it's because of the fact that it's moving at a, at a pretty good clip at about 20 miles, a little over 20 miles an hour, that uh, they don't want to run into a situation where you know, they have to put go to from nothing to tropical storm warning. So now at least, you know, they got the watches up for the islands. If it winds up not developing into a tropical storm, they can always take the watches down. They haven't gotten to warnings yet, so... Uh, but I, I think looking at what the upper air is and the fact that at least from the signature on the satellite, it looks pretty, you know, it's relatively impressive here. I think they're just probably waiting for a tight core to, to, to close off, and, you know, when they run the, 
they do the passes on the on the on the, the what is it the the scatometer or the, that they use whatever they use I forgot when they run the satellite passes yeah yeah to, to figure yeah. out the winds uh, they'll probably make this well, a, de- to, a depression or a storm by morning they used to have uh, I think they still do actually the uh, Dvorak numbers yeah when it gets a certain rating or ranking it it's uh, considered yeah yeah it's it's I, I yeah I, admittedly it does look like a, a relatively small albeit tight system and it probably will uh, get a name I believe it's Elsa that's gonna be the uh, next storm on the list right and uh, w- and we'll see now the uh, if it manages to go through the uh, the channel so to speak south of Puerto Rico if it manages for the most part to miss uh, the Dominican Republic uh, Haiti and then maybe skirt along the uh, the coastline of uh, western uh, Cuba, it may emerge as a rather formidable, or is it formidable, uh, uh, tropical system in the Gulf of Mexico by by the time we get to about the middle of next week. Yeah, watching this loop, I don't see any shear go, that I oh, going on where that uh, where where the uh, system is. So that's right in there. I don't see any shear uh, there. Uh, I also, you know, really not seeing much of any shear in the Eastern Caribbean either at the moment, but that can always magically reappear. I do notice that there's a little bit of Saharan dust uh, to the northeast of it. Now, whether that stays separate or not, as long as it doesn't get entrained into the circulation, uh, that would, uh, uh, you know, because if it does, that, that could also impede development. But uh, there's also a couple of other weaker waves behind it. It's just, it's just kind of interesting to see things so active out there so early end of july yeah okay or even the middle of july uh, uh, i'll go with you on that but you know we're we're at june 30th and we've got a almost got a named storm at uh, at 9 and 40 uh, just under 10 degrees north and 46 west is, is uh, pretty unusual uh, the uh, I, I pulled up the gfs upper air the atlantic view and all of this is going to be steered along you know, we still have the ridge in the east kind of flattens out and moves out east of Bermuda. Uh, the extension is out there east of Bermuda. So it's being controlled by that that upper high. The trough in the east is not going to do anything with this. Uh, in fact, the trough is going to lift out. The ridge is going to just move. The ridge almost moves along in the same way that the tropical system is. You can just follow it uh, right there is where the upper air reflection of it, uh, the uh, upper high, the trough in the east is coming down, uh, trying to weaken the high, but instead it, that, that trough's going to lift out and the ridge sort of builds its way back into the eastern Gulf of Mexico. So this would suggest that this thing would just continue to be steered along to the west or west-northwest. And then longer term, uh, you know, Gulf of Mexico, I, I, think, uh, I, I think that would make sense. Uh, based on the uh, upper air pattern that we're seeing here. And the other thing I want to look at, let me just, let's take a look at the Atlantic view and we'll look at the 200 to 850 millibar wind shear and take a look at what's happening here in the Eastern Caribbean because that's going to be key. So if you notice uh, in the tropical Atlantic, there's the, the reflection on the GFS is that thousand six. What is that? A thousand six? I can't see. No, it's a thousand millibar low there. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow evening, 
uh, at roughly 11.3 and 54 west. Uh, there's there's not a whole lot of wind shear in the Eastern Caribbean here, Joe. There's a there's a little there's, there really isn't. Uh, that's unusual. And in fact, if you look across much of the Caribbean to the Bahamas and into the Eastern Gulf of Mexico, the upper air winds are all on the light side. So this might this might do this might be a bit unusual that it might get into the Eastern Caribbean and and, and actually strengthen a bit uh, as it moves west northwest as long as it doesn't have too much of an interaction with land. But I'm just looking at this upper, you know, the upper air winds here. Uh, there's a there's a, there's a upper air anticyclone. There's an upper air high at 200 millibars, just kind of sitting right on top of it. That's moving along with it. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Well, uh, reading the uh, the uh, technical discussion uh, by the forecaster at the National Hurricane Center. His name is Bevan. And he says uh, currently uh, the disturbance, the, what we're looking at, is uh, in a favorable upper-level wind pattern. However, he points out most Atlantic systems in this area moving near 25 knots have trouble strengthening. And there are indications that the fast forward speed may produce some westerly shear. So they're keeping the forecast for intensity rather low, relatively speaking, right. for the first uh, 72 hours. However, after 72 hours... He says it becomes highly uncertain because, again, of the land interaction and differences in the model forecasts of the upper-level winds, whether or not the storm passes over the mountainous terrain of the Dominican Republic, for example. That's an uncertainty. So that portion of the uh, intensity forecast maintains a constant 50-knot intensity due to the level of uncertainty. And then beyond that, who knows? I mean, if it, if it can survive or if it can hold together fairly well uh, after passing uh, – Haiti and the Dominican Republic and uh, Western Cuba, and then enter the Gulf of Mexico, uh, the, all bets are off. By then, middle of next week, we might be looking at, uh, of, of, again, a very significant, a very robust tropical system. So we'll see how this all, we might as well even start calling it ELSA now. I mean, it, yeah. it definitely does look like it's going to develop into a, into a named system very, very soon. All right. So we're back full screen. Um... Oh, I for, you know, my memory is such a mess. I know I wrote it down somewhere. Do you remember the name of the city that hit the all-time high in Canada yesterday? It it broke another record today. It did. Did you hear this? No. It got up today. Today, it's in, it's in British Columbia. It got up to 123, I believe, today. Oh, good Lord. Now, Scott, Scott, Scott Briller, who's been keeping on, staying on top of this, he may have the, the, the actual... I saw it. I saw. I, I saw that today. I think. Oh darn it! It starts with. I think the letter H. No, I thought it that, started uh, with the, the letter. I thought it started with the letter L. L. Lightning. Light. Lighten. Uh, hold on. I'm, Litten. I'm, uh, it might be that one. Litten. Uh, hang on. I'm looking for it. Uh, it sucks getting old, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I. Uh, I have trouble. You know, I have trouble. Pronouncing Canadian names, Litton, Lighten. Yeah, Luton. hang on. I'm just doing it. Lutons. The core. It's a cough drop. It's a cough it's drop. A cough drop. It's a hundred. Um, I, I said it was a hundred. I think it was 123. I saw. I hope somebody on the chat board, maybe uh, the chairman, can. Let's see. Um, the BBC should be good for this. That. Let's see what the BBC says. 
course, it's in Celsius. Oh, Lytton, L-Y-T-T-O-N in British Columbia. Yes. So they got to 116 on Sunday. What was it, 117 yesterday? And now it was 123 today? That's just nuts. The chairman, 123.4. God. 123.4 degrees. The all-time record in Canada, ladies and gentlemen. Ugh. Oh. Really, this is that's that that's just crazy. That's just that those. That's just crazy. I, I I'm I'm trying to to think about the fact that someplace up there are places up there in the wintertime that will go to fifty below. I mean, Correct. that's if they do that up there, say in December, uh, or I wonder if they did get that low at some point back in January or February, that would kind of give you the widest, you know, the widest temperature range that you could see, uh, 175 degrees between, uh, you know, the lowest low and the highest high. Uh, that's, that's, that's crazy. Well, I said it's up in the Yukon. I think there's a place called Snag, S-N-A-G, that uh, went down as low as 81 below zero for the coldest temperature ever recorded in North America, obviously, it was in Canada. And um, yeah, you're right. It's like 180 degree difference in terms of temperature. Crazy. And Johnny Quest wants to know, I don't know of any, is there a chart or a website you can go to to see how high storm clouds are rising, what the cloud tops are? I, I, I don't, I mean, there probably is. I just don't know of one. I'm, you know, you sometimes see on the, from from out of uh, Norman, Oklahoma, they'll they'll talk about cumulonimbi as high as, and then they'll talk about fifty or sixty thousand feet. Although, where they make the measurement, that's just an estimate or a guesstimate. But where where they actually physically get a a specific measurement, I'm I'm not sure. I I, I don't know. February 3, 1947, the record low temperature for continental North America was, was recorded in Snag at 81.4 degrees below zero Fahrenheit or 63 below zero Celsius. So, so, so Canada has run the gamut now from 81.4 below to 123.4 above. Wow. That's just crazy. <laughs> that, that, that really is, that's just crazy. I don't know. I'm stunned to silence. I don't know how to react to that. It's just so it's just so outrageous. Joe, that's that's by the way, that's two hundred and four point eight degree difference from eighty one eighty one point four to one hundred and twenty three point four. That's two hundred and four point eight degrees. Hmm. We're talking about you know what we're talking about? We're talking about like when when we speak of the moon. And and we say on the dark side when the at nighttime on the moon it's like right. you know, minus two hundred, and then during the day side it's like one hundred and fifty above zero. It's crazy. Yeah. This is this is like lunar. These are like lunar temperatures. Exactly ah. the kind the kind where your mother would tell you not to go out because you might catch a cold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the, you know the sharp temperature change will cause you to get a cold. Um. Anyway. I don't uh, think I have Brilla Jeopardy. 
I didn't think I had a question tonight. Oh, Timothy no, Valtman. I, I have it. I have it. Timothy Valtman for you, Johnny Quest, says a subscription to Gibson Ridge products like GR2 and GR3 uh, does echo cloud top measurements and radar scope does an estimate too. I'm not sure if there are any free sites. This is what Timothy Veltman says in response. Uh, so I'll just I'll put it on the chat there. So uh, Johnny, you could you could take it from there as to what you want to do with it. Uh, but there's your there's your answer regarding uh, cloud tops. And thanks, Timothy Veltman, by the way, for you know quick messaging me that it was L Y T T O N uh, in uh, in Canada uh, that uh, set that record that all time Canada high today of. 123. So uh, let's run through Briller Jeopardy really quick. And uh, yes, Tim, Canadians are tough. You get huge weather changes to deal with, among other things. Uh, so uh, give you credit where credit is, is due. So tonight, Joe, uh, we are going to see if you can figure out the uh, what few of them are left. The 10 newspapers that have the largest current circulation in North America. Good Lord. How many, <laughs> how many, you're right. How many newspapers are left? Um, well, I think if you I run through so. the usual suspects, I'm kind of looking at this list and there might be, there's one that maybe you might have trouble with, but go ahead. Well, you know, the daily news was like a given. They had like two million a day or whatever. I think what are they down to like four hundred thousand now or something? It's it's yeah. Um, the, is is it? And how many of that? Is most, the daily news among the and most most of that's online anyhow. So so is it the, is the daily news there or is that, no? The daily news is not on the list. How about the New York Times? The New York Times appears at number five. Wow. If the Times is number five, what could possibly... All right, how about the, the Wall Street Journal? The Wall Street Journal is number two. Okay, that's good. How about uh, USA Today? That is your number one answer, Joe. USA Today is number one. Wow, who would have thought? Who would have thought USA Today... I remember when they first came out back in 1982, mm -hmm. and they were making fun of the weather page, Joe. They kept referring to the weather page as, what, what are those Monopoly squares or those Monopoly boxes right, of right. different colors? You remember that? Yep, I remember. All right. So, oh, USA Today, um, and we said Wall Street Journal, and we said the New York Times. What else, what else possibly could be there? Um on a daily basis how about the uh how about i don't even know you know the sad part about it is i can mention cities but i don't know what they call their newspapers like for example well what uh, how about the washington post the washington post appears at number eight okay so i've got four so far um i don't know the miami herald no, sadly, the Miami Herald does not appear on this list, which means that you now have a second strike against you. 
I think I'm going to strike out before I get the, the national <laughs> latex cream. Latex cream says the National Enquirer, but that's a weekly, I think, right? It's, it's not a not officially a newspaper. Um, on so many levels. On so many levels. Um, well, what about lo- the Chicago? Is a Chicago paper in there? Chicago Sun Times or whatever. Uh, the Chicago Tribune. I'll give it to you. That was number six. Okay. You see, that's my problem. The problem is I don't know specifically the names. Uh, how about the? Uh, how about Seattle Post Intellig- Intelligencer? No. <laughs> In- no. Intelligencer? Is yeah, that, that's that what the name it's of called? the newspaper. The Seattle Post Intelligencer. Intelligencer? All right. No, uh, let me help you along with this. There are two New York papers that you did not mention that are on this list. The Post? The New York Post? Number nine. Wow. See how low? See how far the, the Daily News has gone? Now that the Post is a, is is on the list and the Daily News is not, two other uh, one other newspaper, right? One other local paper so, uh, that is on there. By the way, I am pronouncing that correctly. Seattle Post Intelligencer. Okay. G E N C E R, Joe. I you know I, that's how I'm, I would pronounce it. Um, what would be the other New York paper? Not, it could be Newsday, could it? It could be number three, believe it or not. Get out of here! Yeah, well, you're, you're kidding me. Okay. Newsday. Remember, this also includes online stuff, so you don't, uh, in terms of circulation. So you, our former, our former boss must be so happy that his buttons are bursting. You know. Yes, number three. So number you, three you, on the list. You're huh? missing four. Uh, seven and ten. I'm going to tell you right now, seven you'll never get. I never, w- I wouldn't have gotten it. Seven you'll never get. Uh, four you should get. Ten you could get. Well, when you say uh, four, I'm four, get four, four the- is four is on the left coast. Well, is, did I say Los Angeles? Uh, uh, you didn't. You didn't bring Los Angeles up yet, but you're in the you're 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 in the ballpark there. Well, I will say uh, I'll say Los Angeles. Although whether it's the Los Angeles Sun, the Los Angeles Post, the Los Angeles Times, the Los, the Los Angeles, Angeles Times, Intelligencer, right? <laughs> <laughs> or the Los Angeles Rag? No, it's the Los Angeles Times. Okay, now the the the, uh-huh. the other one. Um, is a Northeast paper. Is it in... All right. It's in... You were about to say it. It's in Boston. In Boston. The Boston Globe? The Boston Globe. Okay. And I'll just save you for this one because uh, I I never would have guessed this one. The Star Tribune in Minnesota, uh, which is in Minnesota somewhere. I'm guessing Minneapolis. Never heard of it. The Star Tribune. Yeah. Never heard. So of anyhow, <clears throat> that's that's not a, that you know, that. It, it, I I I don't. I haven't bought a newspaper since I don't know when. Uh, so um, you know, I, I I don't. I haven't physically read a newspaper. I read newspaper articles from a number of these sources uh, every day. 
uh, the Times, the Wall Street, the Wall Street Journal, uh, uh, probably the ones I read the most. Sometimes I'll read stuff off the Washington Post, uh, the New York Times, I should say. And occasionally I'll see an article from the L.A. Times that piques my interest. Uh, but, um, yeah, the, gone are the days we used to go down to Jimmy's uh, uh, candy store uh, near the Baychester Avenue uh, subway station where I used to get the daily news for like four cents or whatever it was. And then eventually going to uh, uh, Gobbers, I think it was called, in, uh, uh, in Pelham Bay to get, uh, to get the newspaper. I remember uh, when the, uh, I was at uh, Shea Stadium when the Mets beat the Reds uh, for the uh, pennant in 1973, coming home on the number seven line and virtually everybody who was sitting down was reading a copy of the New York Post with a huge front page splashed across the front page, Agnew resigns. Now, Spear Agnew resigned at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and the Met game had ended by 4.30 or 5 o'clock. And here now were people on the subway reading about the resignation of the vice president just two or three hours after it happened. Back in those days, I guess the Post had an afternoon edition. All the newspapers now come out in the morning, and that's that's it. That's pretty right. well it. Well, I was a I was a I, I I had a daily news route and a New York Post route. I would deliver the daily news in the morning before I went to school, and then on the on the way home from school, I would pick up the New York Post and deliver the New York Post in the afternoon. I was uh, wow. I was a paper boy with the, uh, working on two newspapers. I used to I used to clear it. I remember this was in the this was like 1973, 72, 73, 74. So I was clearing like twenty five to thirty dollars a week, which you know for uh, for a kid was pretty good. You know with tips. Yeah, yeah. It was it was uh, it yeah. was it was good money. Uh, it, it it was it was good money. By the way, I saved. Um, I have them here. I I actually have new, whole newspapers going back. Uh, to the 1970s that I used to save when there was like a major headline of some kind, like Nixon, yes. you know, Nixon resigns. I have the, I have them here. Right. Um, or if somebody famous died or whatever it was, uh, I have a right. whole bunch of them. Uh, one of these days I'll go through, you know, I'll go through and see if there's anything that uh, uh, might pique your interest and, and, and show it on the air. Another super chat hit from the chairman. Thank you, Scott. Uh, now go Joe. Uh, and next week, Next week, back to old TV shows and movies. You're welcome, Ruben's Ruben Yes, <laughs> who has mysteriously disappeared. I haven't seen him all week. Alfred Phillips is, yes. is uh, on tonight. Uh, nice always to see Alfred from Wainwright, Alaska, on the North Slope there. And I asked him uh, it's some, what the temperature was, and he says it's summertime there. It's 37. <laughs> well, which only goes to prove. And we mentioned just yesterday, I think, Yesterday, the day before, I said that the uh, Climate Prediction Center is forecasting statewide in Alaska below normal temperatures for the next week or two. So, uh, yeah. So if you want to go to cool off and not have to use your air conditioning, Alaska is probably the place to go or the place to be. I don't think the ridge extends. I don't think the ridge extends that far northwest. Let me take a look before I, you know, say something I'm. Not a hundred percent sure of. Not that I ever do that, uh, but um, yeah. just taking a look here. Load, load. The circle of death goes round and round and round. 
Yeah, that upper ridge, that that upper ridge really does. I mean, there's some ridging into the easternmost part of Alaska, uh, to an extent, but uh, the, the the really strong part of the upper ridge doesn't didn't quite get up there. So he didn't get those. Although we did notice yesterday on the North Slope in Canada, uh, where we saw temperatures away from the coast. Once you go inland, we're in the 70s, uh, which I gotta believe is you know pretty much at the far end of the the uh, <clears throat> of the range and yeah there's some I'm just looking uh, lots of height fall up there with a nice little upper low uh, in the Bering Sea that's going to be rotating around <clears throat> so um, yeah I could see where they're probably going to wind up with near or below average temperatures uh, going into next week and beyond in fact the upper low looks like it moves right over Alaska so yeah uh, <clears throat> Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what the climate? They have my blessing. The climate prediction center for what they what they're forecasting. All right. So you, uh, the plan is that we're going to take uh, we're going to be off until Monday. However, uh, if this tropical system becomes something of note, uh, we'll uh, we may you know we'll figure something out. Okay. Uh, otherwise, uh, Joe and I are going to take a few days and just kind of relax. We're going to uh, decompress. <laughs> yes. We kind of need to. I get, you know, I get to a point sometimes, particularly in the spring, not so in the wintertime, there's too much going on. That Rarely do you get stretches in the wintertime of more than a few days where there's nothing much happening weather-wise. And if there isn't much happening weather-wise here, there's something happening elsewhere that may have impact here in the long range. So you always are, you know, you always can grab onto something uh, to uh, to talk about. But when we get into the deep part of the spring, the late spring, the early summer, unless there's a tropical system running around or you get a night like tonight where we were getting severe weather here in the Northeast, uh, it, it, sometimes it's hard to just kind of try to give a, a, a good description of what's going on weather-wise in terms of the short, medium, and long-term. And all you're doing is really kind of saying, well, we're going from warm and humid to hot and humid to not as hot nor as humid. Uh, it's sort of a, you know, we're kind of in that funny place where the, the, the changes aren't all that radical and don't have a whole lot of impact. But that'll start changing when we, we get deeper into, when we start getting really deep into hurricane season. So if the system in, in east of the, Leewards winds up becoming a tropical storm, and if it does eventually look like it might become an impact, might have an impact uh, in the uh, in the U.S. somewhere next week, maybe Joe and I will pop on at some point over the weekend to talk about it. Otherwise, we won't be back till Tuesday. We'll pop on at four o'clock in the morning. No, you'll pop on <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning. I I will not. All right. So okay. th thanks to everybody for the super chat hits tonight. Thanks for being here as always. Uh, enjoy your 4th of July holiday weekend uh, safely. And uh, you too, Mr. Rayo. So we'll see you uh, We'll see you next Tuesday. We'll be here and uh, enjoy your stretch of, uh, of, of tranquility, Joe. Yeah, you too. All right. 99, everybody. Unless you plan to, unless you plan to visit the grandkids. Oh, actually, no, <laughs> Friday. Actually, I am, I am on Friday. I'm, I'm babysitting on Friday. And then uh, they're coming over here for the weekend. So, um, so, so much for the tranquility. <laughs> no, that's good tranquility. I, 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 
Okay. I, I get to I get to deprogram. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, see you guys. Uh, we'll see everybody uh, in five days. All right. Night, everybody. See you later.